you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. So, we're in transition. We're not quite in 2020, and we're leaving 2019. We're like one step away. And so it's a good time to talk about transition. What does the word, word transition mean? It means changing from one thing to the next. It means moving from one place to another. If you need the notes, you can always go to lifeway.church forward slash 12 dash 29 dash 19. I'm going to go real fast so you have to listen real fast. But if you need the notes, they're there so that you can review them. You can go back and watch the video. If you're watching uh, by video right now on Facebook, you can send it out to your friends and get people to tune in to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying today. Not, it's, not just, it's not just me up here. I pray and ask the Lord to use me to speak things that are beyond my intellect. Right? When we go to His Word, it's always sharper and more powerful than what we could ever say with our natural mind. And so I was thinking about what has happened in the past 10 years, this decade. It was in 2010 that the iPad was introduced, just 10 years ago, and how it has changed uh, our lives, right? How about streaming, Netflix? Anybody stream over the holidays? Did you fall asleep watching these wonderful movies that you like to watch? Who would have thought 10 years ago that you didn't have to get up and put the DVD in and change it and all that? Uh, in 20, between 2010 and 2020, right now, there was a, another smartphone introduced besides the iPhone called the Android. And uh, how about... Things like uh, the Tesla car, um, websites like Kickstarter and GoFundMe, how it has changed. Um, the Keurig coffee maker. Anybody have a Keurig? The K cup. What did we do before the Keurig, right? How about the chip cards on your on your on your car? Do you swipe or do you use the chip? And you know, hey, it's it's more secure. So they say. Social media, how it has changed the landscape in the digital world. Smartwatches, 3D printing. You know, they've even experimented with uh, printing organs for organ transplants with 3D printing. Amazing the advancements that we've had in the past 10 years. Drones. They've experimented with delivering packages with drones. And then, of course, the iPhone started in, in 2007 and how it's changed. You know, it's been a little bit more than 10 years, but how it's changed, you know, to have this powerful computer in the palm of your hand and be able to do just about anything. Here's some, some bullet points about life in the U.S. in the past 10 years. Right now, the millennials, those who are... 22 to 37 years old, born between 1981 and uh, 1996, 
became the largest generation in the labor force during the past 10 years. So be careful what you say about the millennials. <laughs> we need them, right? Social media in the last 10 years is now a key pathway for news for Americans. In 2018, for the first time, social media sites surpassed print newspapers as a news source for Americans. So many more people look at Facebook to get their news now than they do reading a newspaper. I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many still get a paper thrown in your driveway or in the front yard? You know, people are just on the go. And they get their news in snippets and from their favorite social media sources. Uh, multiple generations under one roof are, it's at a record, a record of 20%. 20% of the population have multiple generations under one roof. That's the, that's, that is uh, the highest it's been in the last 160 years. Think about that. Multiple generations living under one roof in America. How about this? Non-whites now account for the majority of the nation's newborns, as well as, as the majority of the K through 12 students in public schools. Did you ever imagine this? As of 2019, nine in 10 US adults say they go online. 81% say they own a smartphone and 72% say they use social media. So things have changed in the past 10 years. Drastically, I don't think we realize how, how quickly things change. And so we, we're thinking about 2020, right? And if you're a part of the body of Christ, you listen to the prophecies now about 2020 and uh, expect to hear more prophecies about 2020 and the, the, the poet, poetry about 2020, spiritual poetry and rhymes, you know. Everybody comes up with a prophetic rhyme for 2020. And I can appreciate an encouraging word, but listen, I live my life day by day by the word of God. And I trust more in what the word of God says than what a man or a woman says about 2020. And you may be asking, well, man, he's, he's really speaking, speaking out against that. No, I'm warning you as a pastor that we have to be discerning in the times that we're living in. You really have to be discerning because, um, you know, there's financial scams, there's porch pirates. There's identity theft. There's ransomware creeping on the internet. Identity theft, right? We've experienced some of this, but that happens in the spiritual realm as well. And people seem to be gullible in these days that we're living in. We had a series this past year about twisted truth. But uh, people that stand up and prophesy about the next year or about the next decade or whatever have been known to be wrong. You know, there are people that have passed on and gone to heaven that they said that the Lord told them that they would be on the earth when Jesus returned. They're not here. So what I'm saying is be diligent to prove everything you hear by the word. Right? Prove everything you hear by the word. Look at Romans 13, verse 11. This is a sure word for you for the year 2020, and it was written over 2,000 years ago. This is my prediction for, for 2020. Romans 13, verse 11. 
I'm going to read it out of the ESV version. It says, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. Number one is wake up. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Salvation is nearer. The night is far gone and the day is at hand. You can say, hey, nighttime's over. It's daytime now. We need to wake up and open our eyes. And then it says, so let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. That's our responsibility to cast off the works of darkness. It's our responsibility to take hold of our life. And it's our responsibility to put on the armor of light that he provided for us. We had a series this past year that was stand up and fight. Where the Lord reminded us of who we are in Christ and to take up the whole armor of God and be aware that we have an enemy and stand against him. Then it says, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. These are instructions for for 2020. And this is what I'm banking my life on, not some prophecy by somebody who calls himself a prophet. Guys, we have to be discerning in the time that we're living in. We have to go back to the word. This is the only sure thing that we have. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if I'm banking on anybody, I'm banking on Jesus. Amen. Amen. So as your pastor, I want to encourage you to be discerning. Keep your ear in the word. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And don't let your heart be shaken. Or Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Right? You believe in God, also believe also in me. So at the end of each year, two times... At the end of each year, there's really twice a year that we come, we, our mind tries to come to grip with the, the passage of time, this concept of passage of time. It happens at the end of the year, and it happens on our birthday. And everybody says, well, how does it feel to be 26? Or how does it feel to be 30 now that you're 30? How does it feel to be 40-something? And you're like, hey, how does it feel to be 60? What, what, what is supposed to be different? What is supposed to be different from 2020 to 2019? I mean, it's just at at 12.59, the clock ticks, and now you're in 2020. What's different? So two things that we tend to do at these certain times of year. The first thing we do is rate our year, consciously or unconsciously. On a scale of 1 to 10 or on a scale of 1 to 100, how did our year rate? And what we're doing is comparing it to previous years, right? Because we haven't experienced the future years. We experience it or or we compare it to the previous years. Well, on a scale of 1 to 10, that was about a 5 or a 7 or depending on what happened in in your life this past year, right? We compare it maybe to what we wanted it to be and what it really turned out to be. Is that really fair? I mean... We say it was a good year. Did you have a good year last year? I had a so-so, mediocre. Was it good? Was it bad? We fall into that trap, guys, of comparing our years. When God has done 
wonderful things for you this year, I'm sure. I know that we've all had hiccups. I know that we've all fell down and skinned our knees this year. I can say that with surety. But this is what our mind does. The second thing is, is we are faced with uh, consequences of our choices. And we think, wow, if I hadn't have done this or I hadn't have done that or maybe if I'd have done this or, you know, our mind tries to grasp this passage of time. And we have to have an honest assessment. When, when we are open for an honest assessment, this humility in our heart says, Lord, show me. Show me the things that happened this past year that were preventable. Preventable. Because again, um, there's some things that we have all done that we wished that we hadn't done this past year. But let me tell you, God is bigger than your mistakes. You see, you see how God dealt with people from Genesis to Revelation, and God is always bigger than our mistakes. He never holds things against us when we repent, when we ask him to forgive us. And so before we leave 2019, I want us to get over this thing called regret. Amen. We're going to do that today before we leave here. Are you in for it? Yes. Are, you, are you in with me? There are some, also some things that we're glad that we did. Decisions that were motivated by God. That maybe we didn't even realize were motivated by God, but we can see from the fruit that it produced that it was a God thing and not just a us thing. You agree? There were some, some things that God led us into. And maybe it wasn't a, a, a strong leading, but it was a small whisper that you, you took that step of faith and God manifested himself in your, in your life. We have to take this honest assessment. Where have I been this year and where am I going in 2020? Where did I go in 2019 and where am I going in 2020? These are good questions that we should ask ourselves. If I keep doing what I've always done, why should I ever expect anything different than what I already have? It's time to change. Transition deals with change. And and I can feel all of us kind of shuddering from this word change. We like change if it's pleasing to us, if it's not too hard, but it produces a, a, a good a return on our investment, right? But if it's tough change, hard change, and we're not going to see the fruit of it for, for some time, it, it, it's like uh, we kind of draw back from that. Guys, it's natural. It's natural to, to hesitate, to to if you're Peter, to step out of the boat when there's winds and wa wind and waves and, you know, is this really you, Jesus? If it is, ask me to come and I'm coming. But there's three things. Well, first, before we get to the, the three things that we should do in transition, let's look at Paul. Go over to Philippians chapter 3. Paul is a good example of somebody who was in transition. He was in transition from the moment he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And if you notice through that initial meeting that Paul met Jesus, his natural eyes became blinded. And I believe so he could see spiritually. He was in a period of about three days where he couldn't see physically. But I believe that those three days 
uh, resurrected his heart. He, he became a follower of Jesus and a believer in Jesus. And he opened his spiritual eyes to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And that's when the Lord spoke to him and said, you're going to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And it changed Saul's life. And from that point on, Saul, who became Paul, was in transition. And there were certain things that he did as he transitioned from a religious zealot against Christians to bringing people into the body of Christ. So in Philippians chapter 3, or he was, he was writing to the church in Philippi, but he was in jail. So think about the setting that Paul was in when he wrote this. Most people, if they were locked up for their faith, would probably at that point begin to give up. Would you agree? I've been per- persecuted. And this was not the first time that Paul was locked up. He was beaten. He was thrown out of town. There were many things that happened to him before he got to this point where he wrote what we're about to read. But think about the opposition against him and the temptation to give up, the temptation to quit in the middle of this transition. Paul, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it yet. But I focus on this one thing. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ is calling us. I'm glad he concluded me because he used the word us. Right? And so if Paul was in that place where he was tempted to give up, but he refused to give up, he did something in that transitional point that carried him through to the end of his life. He didn't give up. He didn't quit when he was in prison. He knew he had not finished his course when he wrote this. Because later in 2 Timothy, he told Timothy, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith and I have finished my course. And I like to say if Paul knew that he finished his course, then we can know when we finish our course. It doesn't have to be a mystery. And listen, God has great things in 2020 for us, but we have to be ready for those great things. Amen. Right? Yes. It just, just doesn't fall into our lap. At least it doesn't fall into my lap. Does, it, does the will of God fall into your lap? No. We have to do something. We have to contend for God's will in our life right? So there's three things that we have to remember that I see from what Paul says here in Philippians. Number one, we have to let go. This is the first point. Everything that I've said up to this point was just the introduction. (laughs) That That was my only joke this morning, guys. So, let it go. Didn't somebody write a song about that? Let it go, let it go, let it go. Leave the past behind. Put the past in the past. Finally. At last. Leave it alone. Let it die. Quit resurrecting your past. I'm speaking to myself. 
Because every time I'm pointing one finger out that way, three are coming back at me. Look at Luke 9.62. This is New International Version, what Jesus said. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Wow. That puts a lot, a lot of responsibility on us, right? To keep moving forward, to quit looking back. Just ask Lot's wife how that works out. You can't move forward while looking backward. Moving forward requires forgiveness. Amen. Forgiveness. This is the end of the year. If something happened bad to you this year... I'm asking you, please forgive that person now. Don't go another day. Don't go another minute. Don't go another hour without forgiving the person that offended you, misused you, mistreated you, didn't live up to your expectations. Forgive them. And while you're forgiving others in your life that the Lord brings back to your memory, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for letting other people down, for letting yourself down for not performing like you intended to. Forgive yourself. We have to forgive ourselves, and this forgiveness can't be based on our feelings. Forgiveness is not based on a feeling. We have to forgive because God said to forgive. He didn't say forgive when you feel like it. He said forgive because it frees you up and it free, frees your relationship with that other person up. Matthew 5, verses 43 through 47, it says, love your enemies. Jesus said, love your enemies. He said, it's easy for the, to love those who love you. But we should love our enemies. And that takes faith. It takes patience. Right? It takes the word of God to love our enemies. You should read that this next week, read it in the message version. It, it, it's really enlightening. Well, we have to forgive. We have to let it go. We have to let go of our failures. Like we said before, there, there are things that we just didn't perform. Things that we just didn't meet the mark on. We have to let it go. Philippians 3, verses 8 through 9 in the New International Version Paul had to let some good things go, too. He was born into a good family. He was a Pharisee. He knew a lot about God, but he didn't know Jesus. He could have patted himself on the back about his lineage, and he, he made mention of it in Philippians chapter 3, but he says this in verses 8 and 9. He said, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surprising worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of of faith. So it wasn't the family that Paul was born into. It wasn't his upbringing in the Jewish way of life or the Jewish religion. 
It was the fact that Paul knew Christ that gave him that confidence in God, that faith in God to do what God had called him to do. So we have to let go of our failures, but we also have to let go of our successes. Maybe you did have a successful 2019, but just because you had a a good 2019 doesn't mean you're going to have a good 2020, right? If we automatically think that we're going to have a great year this coming year because we had one last year, that's a, it's a form of pride. And it, it can even be a spiritual pride. Look what I did. God, I'm so good. Watch me use my faith. But we have to get rid of and let go of the successes and the failures. We have to continually grow and we have to continually stretch and we have to constantly break this thing called a, our comfort barrier. Have you ever found yourself saying, well, I, I'll never go there and I'll never do that? Wow, famous last words, right? God wants us to continually, hear this, guys. God wants us to continually grow, continually increase, and that requires stretching. You're going to go into the gym in 2020 and begin to use muscles that you haven't used in a while. You're going to feel it. You're going to feel. (laughs) It's not fun, but it's fruitful. It's not fun, but it's fruitful, right? If we're going to be at our optimum, if we're going to stretch and be used by God, we've got to go past these comfort barriers that we have set up in our own life. First, we have to admit it. And let it go. Number two, we have to take hold. So we push away from the past, but we pull, we pull into the future. We stretch into the future. We take hold. We take hold. In that verse in Philippians chapter 3, Paul puts it like this. I press on to reach the end of the race. I press on. I press on. I'm not sitting down in the middle of the race. And again, think about the context that he wrote this. He was sitting in a jail cell, but he wasn't sitting down on the inside. He may have been sitting down on the outside, but he was moving on the inside. He was pressing on the inside. He was, he was striving. He was, this word actually means to stretch forth, to stretch forth. I press on. I stretch forth. For what's in front of me, and it requires faith. It requires trust in God. And I like what Jesus said about faith. If you had faith as, as big as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be removed, plucked up, and thrown into the sea, and it would obey you. So people say, well, my faith is not big. That's fine. It doesn't require big faith. It just requires you to use the measure of faith that you have. Think about that. God's going to ask you to do some wild things in 2020. Some things that you've never done before. Not so that you get the glory, so that he gets the glory. And he wants, the, the only way that you can do it is by using the faith that he gave you. So that he can show people, just like Paul says, that what I, what I did, I did by faith. And, and what I did, you can do. I can obey God and do what he asked me to do. You can obey God and do what he asked you to do. I always go back to Joshua, especially at the end of the year, 
Joshua chapter 1, where Moses has gone off the scene and Joshua is is facing the giants. And so he's dealing with uh, a, a bunch of feelings, I'm sure. He's dealing with his doubt. Well, if Moses couldn't do it and it was promised to Moses, what makes me think that I can? If Moses fell by just striking the rock instead of speaking to the rock, you know, what mistake am I going to make? You can imagine what Joshua was dealing with. But in Joshua chapter 1, three times, I want you to look at Joshua 1, 9. If this is not uh, highlighted in your Bible, you, you need to highlight it. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, the New Living Translation says, this is my command. This was the Lord's command to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. There's two different things here. Strength and courage. I believe that when you take courage, you take courage, you're taking faith which strengthens you. Not only internally, but also externally. Spirit, soul, and body. Be strong and take courage Do not be afraid or discouraged. So if you're taking courage, you still have the the ability to be discouraged or you still have the temptation to be discouraged. So by taking courage and receiving strength from the Lord, you have to then not be discouraged or afraid. Why? Because the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Very important when we're facing 2020 and we're taking hold of the future and we're taking hold of God's will for 2020 by faith. God has some amazing things that he wants you to do in 2020, but you're going to take it by faith. You have to take it by faith. That's all all we have. Has God ever told you to do something while the money's in the bank? Wait till you get all the money in the bank and then, then do that, you know? Just like, just go, go back to Peter. It wasn't, the, you know, the Peter said, oh, hey, Jesus, I see you walking on the water. Uh, tell the wind and the waves to die down and I'll walk out to you. And Jesus didn't respond to Peter by saying, hey, Peter, hold on a minute. Let me tell the wind and the waves to die down and then you can walk on the water. Think about that. Jesus could have told the wind and the waves Die down. Okay, Peter, now come. But Jesus used this teachable moment to say, hey, this is how you walk by faith. Don't look at the wind. Don't look at the waves. Take hold of where you're stepping by faith. He's calling you out to where there's wind and there's waves. Guys, there's wind and there's waves in 2020. Take time to prepare Embrace 2020 by taking time to prepare. Ask the Lord to show you what's in your 2020. We're going to do that here in January. We're going to have a a series on prayer. We're going to pray. Take time to ask the Lord to show you what's in your 2020. Write it down. Be a goal setter. Learn about goal setting. But always factor in God. It's not you that's going to produce the results. You have to make sure that you're doing what God wants you to do. That's why we 
have to pray first. We have to ask him, is this a God thing or is just, this just a good thing that I came up with in my, in my own head? Number three. So first, we let go. Second, we took hold. And three, we have to stand firm. Standing firm. Number one, letting go requires forgiveness. Number two, taking hold requires faith. Number three, standing firm requires focus. Requires focus. Psalm 62. Psalm 62, verse 5 through 8. We have to focus on the prize. Like Paul said, my eyes are fixed on the prize. I'm not looking at my feet. I'm looking at the prize. I'm looking that heavenly prize for which God through Christ is calling us. We have to decide that he is our foundation. We have to decide that the word of God is our mark. Our mark. We, we focus on that mark. On your mark. Get set. Go. In other words, focus. Now you're ready. Go. You focus at the finish line. Keep your eyes on the prize. Decide that God is your goal. Look at Psalm 62, 5 through 8. Let all that I am wait quietly before God. For my hope is in him. Or I could say my, my focus is in God. Everything within me must quiet down because I need to focus on God. He is my hope. He is, he is the only thing that's worth anything in my life. Spiritually. He's it. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. Your victory in this life, your victory in 2020 comes from God alone. It's not about making a certain amount of money, guys. It's not about setting a goal to become debt-free in 2020. That's a great goal. We should set that goal. But remember that your hope is in God alone. He is your rock and your salvation. Your fortress will you will not be shaken. Your victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Then it says, oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him for God is our refuge. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Our path can only be illuminated by the word of God. That's why it's so important that we focus on the word, that we give time to the word. I'm going to encourage you this whole next year, you're going to hear it more and more and more. Become daily disciplined. Be a solid disciple by studying the word of God, by getting into the word of God every day. If, if you use that you version and do a daily devotional with a group of folks, be accountable to, to read the word, put the word in you so that it, so that it keeps you on focus so that you'll not be shaken so that your victory and your honor come from God alone. The word of God shines on our path. He guides our every step of the way. 
but we have to have that light out there. We have to hold the light in front of us. Take the time and find out what the Word of God says. The decisions that you make in 2020, what are you going to base those on? You're faced with many decisions. Do I get a new job this year? Do I move this year? Do I sell this or sell that or what do I do? Decide today, before 2020 comes, that every decision that you make in 2020 is going to be based on God and His Word and be led by the Holy Spirit. And don't come off of that. Don't let anybody push you or pressure you. Philippians 1.6 says this. I'm sure of this. Here's what we can be sure of in 2020. That God who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He started a good work in you. He expects us to keep moving with him daily because as we live and move and have our being in him daily, he's working the work. He's bringing it to completion. He, gives, he, he works with what you give him. If he is the potter and we are the clay, we have to stay on the wheel. <laughs> Many times the Lord is... I said, Lord, but you're the potter, I'm the clay. He said, yeah, but you jumped off the wheel. <laughs> Quit jumping off the wheel. You can't mold something that's continually flying off the wheel. We have to live submitted. We have to live committed. We have to decide before 2020 comes that every decision we make is going to be based on the Word of God. It's going to be led by the Holy Spirit. And we have to stand firm because, listen, the world is changing the world is going to continue to change even at a faster rate because tech, I, I firmly believe that technology propels us at a faster rate of change today than it did 10 years ago. No telling what's going to happen. And you can listen to everybody and you can say, well, this person was right this time and this person was right that time and this person knows more than anybody else and they're really speaking the mind of God on this. But listen, I'm staying next to the Word. I'm staying next to the word. Maybe you're supposed to step out this year and start a business. Maybe because of your health, you need to make some major changes in your diet and exercise. And I felt the air just leave the room right then. But listen, we want to live a healthy life in 2020 so that we enjoy life. And I know that there are a lot of people that are facing some tremendous health challenges. And we need, to, we need to walk circumspectly, eat the right thing and do the right thing and, and act, ask the Lord what we should eat, what we should cut out, how we should treat this temple that he gave us. Last time I read that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So why do we claim possession of our own bodies? Why don't we say, Lord, and I'm, uh, again, I'm speaking to myself, Lord, I'm alive because of your grace. I present my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. Show me what to do with it, to take care of it, so that I can do your will in this coming year. Maybe the Lord's, like I said, moving you to a new job. You're going to need his grace 
to connect to that new job. Look at Jeremiah 29, 11. This is our last scripture. I believe you've been encouraged today. I believe we've received strength from the Lord. There's victory in 2020. There is victory, extreme victory in 2020. But it's to those who take hold of the word, to those that stand firm on the foundation of God. And you're not shaken by the things that are going on in the world. You're not running to social media to to get your endorphin fix. We're running to the word to get our fix. We're addicted to the word. Today is a unique day. This This coming year is a unique year. And you have a unique part to play in it. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Over these next few weeks, we'll start a 21, 21 day of, of prayer and fasting beginning on January the 6th, which is next Monday. We'll go 21 days to January 27th. And I'm encouraging you to seek the Lord. This one verse, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, he knows the plans that he has for me. So when, when I don't know what those plans are, he does. So I have to find out from him what those plans are for my life. That's found in a place of prayer, in a place of humility. I have to put my hope in God. I have to trust the Lord with all of my heart. I can't lean on my own understanding. The times where I lean on my own understanding, I find that I haven't put my total trust of all of my heart in the Lord. Don't trust your understanding. Don't trust the news or the social media. Don't trust the noise in the world. Trust the voice of God. Keep your eyes on Him. Draw near to Him. Fellowship with Him. Because there's peace and there's grace in God. There's multiplied peace and multiplied grace in God. And I like to remember that God is already in 2020. Nothing that happens next year is going to take him by surprise. The world uses that as a selling point, surprise. But God is not surprised. He's not surprised. We're going to remain stable. We're going to remain faithful because our hope is in God. Our trust is in him. We let the past go. We take hold of the future. And we stand firm on God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.